0: I want to let you know, uh, we let everybody know this last night, but if you weren't here, we have recorded uh, B. Chris's uh, messages, and we're going to be able to get those to you really easily. They'll be on our website for sure, Uh, and then I'm going to ask uh, the the group that gets together to, uh, the the local ministers that get together. We've got an email list. I'll send it out through that as well, Uh, so we're going to make it really easy to access We'll advertise it on Facebook, so if you like our church, uh, you'll see it on there, too. So it's going to be really good, really easy for you. When we were dreaming about this conference and just talking about it in its early phases and early stages, one of the realities that quickly sank in for us uh, was that as ministers, we get to know each other fairly well because we get together about once a month. Uh, We spend time together, we go get lunch together, we pray together, we we do these things together. But our members of our churches don't always get that same opportunity. They don't get to see these guys and get to know these guys and get to spend time with these guys. And so I've spent a lot of time the last couple years with some of these guys and with some of the guys that aren't here. Uh, Last night, B. Chris was talking about this calling to go to China that didn't materialize and become a calling to go to China, uh, which was a great story. It was a great story. There's a minister up at Northwest Church of Christ uh, in New Hope, who I met with a couple weeks ago, who is in China, because for the last 17 years, he's felt a call to go to China every year and evangelize, and it's something that people have spoke to him about, something that God has blessed him to do, and so he's there right now in China, uh, serving God. And I've had this opportunity to spend time with several of the local ministers and hear their stories and hear their passion and hear what's going on. And so I wanted to make sure that we have the opportunity today for you guys to get at least a small taste of what's that like, what that is like. Each of these guys uh, that are going to be invited up have prepared a three-minute devotional blessing, something for you, just something for you to to hear them and get to know their hearts a little bit. And after that, what we're going to do is we're going to ask them to to stay up here. Patrick will sit up here first so that it's less awkward for Ethan, who will be speaking first. Uh, (laughs) There you go, yeah. But we're going to have a, a time where we, we just discuss what God's been doing in the Twin Cities. We will cut that conversation off at noon, because I can hear your stomachs growling right now. Uh, so, so we will make sure to move on to lunch at that point. Uh, but at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Ethan Bilbrey up to bless us with the first devotional. Good
1: morning, Am I on? on? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, My name is Ethan Bilbrey. My wife and I are blessed to minister with the Richfield Church of Christ. Uh, We came here about a year and a half ago. Uh, My wife, Skylar, is right there in the audience. Wave your hand. That's that's not her favorite thing, but uh, we're blessed to be here. We're expecting our first baby in January, and so that's something we're excited about. Um, We're just thankful that we get to be a part of this event. I appreciate Jordan and Patrick and everybody else that's worked so hard uh, to make this happen. Uh, If you want to grab your Bible, I'll try and be quick. Three minutes. I don't know about that, Um, but uh, in John chapter 1, we've been going through the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings at Richfield, and uh, there's one character that John gives more attention to than the other Gospels. Uh, and that character is Andrew. And we're given something very specific we learn about Andrew's character that I, I really appreciate. And it's something that we all can be. And so let's read uh, John chapter 1, starting verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. There are two other stories about Andrew. We're not going to read them for sake of time. But in John 6, we see Andrew, when Jesus is with the crowd, And there's this huge crowd of people that are hungry. And Jesus says, we ought to feed them. How are we going to do it? And he's testing his disciples, and they're all doubtful that this can be accomplished because of the cost that it will require them to pay. But in that story, it's again, Andrew. Andrew goes and gets a little boy with a small amount of food, and it's Andrew that brings the little boy to Jesus. And then Jesus does the miracle, multiplying the fish and the loaves to feed the entire crowd. Later, in John 12, we see a group of Greeks that are wanting to come to Jesus. They first go and talk to, I believe it's Philip, if I'm not forgetting. And Philip, rather than just taking them to Jesus himself, first brings them to Andrew, and then he and Andrew together bring them to Jesus. And so what I notice about Andrew and his character as a disciple is that he brings people to Jesus. And when you think about how different the story of the gospel and the story of the early church would have been without Andrew, what would it have been like if there was never a Simon Peter? Uh, What would it have been like if on that day when they wanted to feed the crowds, there was no Andrew bringing the little boy with the food for Jesus to multiply? Not all of us will be remembered. We'll be much like Andrew in that he's kind of a back story character in a lot of the Gospels. Uh, But if we could just be remembered as people who brought others to Jesus, our life will be well lived. So thank you for being here. We're glad to be together.
0: Thank you, Ethan. No, that's for you. Uh, Alex Flood is up next from Lake Phelan Church of Christ.
2: He'll be followed by Dr. Pointer from Minneapolis.
3: Good morning. Uh, My name is Alex Flood, and I'm going to talk into this microphone even though it's not on. And there we go. And uh, my wife's name is Erin Flood, and uh, we've been married for... Over seven years, we have two children. Our uh, son, Shepard, was born uh, June 2015. Our son, our daughter, Evangeline, was born last September, a year ago. And uh, we live in the east side of St. Paul, and we meet as the Lake Failing Church of Christ in our home on Sundays. We have about a 10 or 11 people that meet, and we do Bible studies with them throughout the week, and we have about another half dozen people that we do Bible studies with who don't go to church throughout the week. And uh, when we first moved here, we met with the Woodbury Church of Christ for about 10 months, and so we know some of you from that time period, and we know some of you from the other congregations during that time period when we were meeting other people. So it's good to be here, appreciate the opportunity to speak. A lot of people have been asking me, who's heard that I have kids, you know, am I getting enough sleep now? And I think that's funny because before we had kids, nobody ever said, hey, watch out, you're not going to get any sleep. (laughs) So I was like, where was the warning? (laughs) It's like a joke or inside joke that nobody let me in on until after I wasn't getting sleep. Well, I think for my uh, two-minute encouraging talk, uh, I wanted to take a quick look at Romans chapter 15. So if you'll go to your Bibles in Romans chapter 15, this is at the end of what would have been a difficult letter to receive if you were at the church in Rome. And I'm encouraged by one of, the, one of the last things that Paul says in his letter. It says in verse 14 of chapter 15, Paul says, And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. He knows that he had written some hard things to him. He says in the next verse, I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again. But that verse in verse 14, that's really been a a good one for, for me and the people I study with and for our congregation. And I'll tell you why. It's because for all the things that Paul needed to correct his brethren on and for all the things he wrote very boldly on, At the end of it, he still says, I'm fully convinced that you're full of goodness, you're good people, that you have all knowledge, you're not dumb, and that you're able to admonish one another. And that's an important word, admonish, because it's not a bad word. In the Greek, it's nutheteo. It's made up of two Greek words, nous, which means your mind, and tethetis, which means to cast upon. And so it was a way of saying to gently rebuke or to persuade somebody by casting logic upon their mind appealing to one another Uh, harkens back to what he said back in verse 7 where he says therefore accept one another just as christ also accepted us to the glory of god that word accept is very important as well it's the word proslumbano it's the word pros preposition it means to come towards an object or a goal and lambano means to have an object come towards you and you receive it. And so you have this reciprocal action going on. So when it says accept one another, it doesn't mean agree with one another. It also doesn't mean agree to disagree with one another. And it especially doesn't mean be silent on what you're disagreeing about. And so I liked that in our message this morning with uh, our brother told us, you know, we don't, it's not a good way to handle things with silence. It's good to talk about it and to get it out there. And when we talk about it, we can see each other as full of goodness, full of knowledge, and able to admonish one another.
4: Anyway, greetings. I bring you greetings from the Minneapolis Central Church of Christ. Uh, my wife is in the audience, and several members are here from uh, Minneapolis uh, Central. Um, most of you know I'm from New York City, and I wanted to give you a story about a, a couple that got lost in New York City. And uh, they went in Harlem, and they're walking around Harlem trying to find uh, the Apollo Theater. And in trying to find the Apollo Theater, as they walked around, they couldn't find it, so... Uh, they stopped and asked a white gentleman. And they said, Can you help me find the Apollo Theater? He says, Yeah, go back to 125th Street, turn right, you'll run right into it. Okay, so they kept on going. And they stopped and asked a black guy. And they said, Do you know what the Apollo Theater is? He says, I sure do. Go down to the corner here, 125th, turn right, you'll run right into it. And so the gentleman said, The wife said to the gentleman then, Why is it that you asked twice? About how to find the Apollo Theater, and he said, "I just want to get it in black and white." Okay, y'all catch that the way home. <laughs> so, the uh, particular pericope of text that I want to allude to today is in John chapter eight, verse thirty-one and verse thirty-two, and then uh, I will truncate and I'll be finished. I still have two and a half minutes left. Okay, <laughs> now we're going by my watch, of course. I don't know what watch y'all are going by, but in John eight thirty-one and thirty-two. Um, I like that text because uh, as it's in the Johannian letter, I want to pick up where Ethan picked up, uh, in this particular um, uh, pericope, the, the theological conundrum that's going on here is that Jesus now talks to his Pharisees, and he's trying to get the Pharisees to understand you all don't have it all together either. And so because you don't have it all together, uh, the only way he said indeed, uh, you, if you continue in my word, continuous, if you continue in my word, the thing that's going to make it a good disciple is when you continue in my word. So that's how you could tell a true disciple from a false disciple, because if you're not continuing his word, then you are not his disciple. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And then he said two things, and you shall know the truth. That's number one, clause A. And number two, and the truth shall set you free. Those two clauses. So you have to continue in your word if you're going to be a disciple, and the truth shall set you free. I'm so excited about what we're doing here at this conference uh, I don't know what to tell you how to start because I'm really glad we're all here together in one place. We're here today not just because you're here and I'm here, but because God is here. And because God is here, the Bible says in John 10, 10 the thief cometh to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So we come today to speak life into all of us. God bless.
2: Followed by Richard Inyang from the Roseville Church of Christ.
5: Amen. It's, uh, am I on? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's totally awesome to be here. Uh, we, um, you know, we're from the ICOC, International Churches of Christ, and when I moved here about 13 years ago, um, you know, I, I thought, I wonder how we're going to be welcomed, And uh, we were welcomed. And I just want to commend everybody. Do I need to repeat everything? Uh, and we were welcomed in in an amazing way. And uh, and I think what, what you're you're doing here is is uh, is is amazing about being uh, unified together. Really, uh, we all believe the same gospel. <laughs> There's no question about that. And so there's a lot of other things we do differently, and that's okay. I mean, that's true in my own household. I mean, I mean, if, if true unity was agreeing perfectly on everything, I probably wouldn't be married. Uh, but, but I have a very awesome marriage, and yet there are certain things Kelly and I, we just don't talk about because, you know, we just, it, would, it wouldn't go that well. So, uh, but we, we, you know, that's, unity is, is, is a precious thing to God. But before I get into a little scripture or two, um, uh, I've been married to Kelly for 33 years. um, And we have three kids. Uh, uh, My two daughters are married. Uh, My oldest daughter and her husband are in the ministry in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. And uh, we have three grandkids. Uh, My son's getting married this next summer. So... Uh, and then after we became empty nesters, my wife uh, thought, "Well, I, we have so much time on our hands that we brought in two foster kids," and that's when my hair turned gray, my beard turned gray after that experience. And and honestly, that's why a lot of the meetings in the last couple of years we haven't been at because it was we brought in two kids that were had lots of issues, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, the cool thing is with the 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 daughter, they, they had the same mom, two different dads, uh, the, the, the daughter is with her dad now, everything worked out there, and then the, the boy, Dante, he stayed with us a little longer, but now my youngest daughter, who's only 24 years old, uh, is in the process of adopting him, so my 24-year-old has an 8-year-old kiddo, and we're so proud of them for that, so, um, so anyway... So I'm probably going to start bugging you at your meetings now and showing up and stuff because we're empty nesters again, at least for a little while. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, um, I, but anyway, I want to thank you guys for, for hosting this. To me, it's precious to the heart of God what we see here. Twelve churches represented. There's nothing more precious to God than unity. When I, I, I asked a class I was teaching a little while ago, If you could find one chapter in the Bible that summarized the heart of God more than any other chapter, what would you do? And they were scratching their heads. I gave them some time to think it through. Um, And one person, I can't remember who it was, said, John 17. And I said, that would be one that I would pick. And there's many. But John 17, because right before Jesus dies, he prays the most monumental prayer ever prayed, the most passionate prayer ever prayed, because a few hours later, he was going to be, my campus minister is calling me. I actually put this on mute, so I don't know why it's ringing. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, uh, he's about to be crucified, and what does he pray about? That we all are one like the Trinity. Trinity. That we're one like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Am I okay on time? I got another 30 seconds. Uh, We're all one like the, like, you know, God is three, but he's one. I mean, if I start preaching there's three gods, you guys would never invite me back. Because that's false doctrine, right? And I'm not going to ever preach that. But it would also be wrong if I preached there was only one being that made up our God. There's three beings that make up one God, and our church should reflect that, that we're so close, we kind of blend into each other. And so it goes way beyond just doctrinal unity. It's our hearts are knit together like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But thanks again, guys. Thanks for being a great example. I'm looking forward to more meetings like this in the future. Amen.
6: Good morning, my brothers and sisters. My name is uh, Richard Iyang. I am a minister with the Roosevelt Church of Christ. I am here with my dear wife, Iyang, and my three kids, Joseph, uh, Edidion, in my native names, and then Ikobong and Itemabong, which is uh, God's word and God's obedience. So they are all here. I've been a missionary for 18 years now, right? From I started preaching around 2009. I mean, 1999 with the Nigerian Christian Institute. After that, I've been a missionary in so many countries in Africa. I work in Cameroon, I work in Ghana, I work in Nigeria as a missionary. And then I moved to Minnesota in 2006. I took over to be a minister there in Roosevelt Church of Christ, which is about a 30-minute drive from here uh, since 2009 till today I'm still preaching and going to Africa every year for mission, uh, missionary trip, missionary work in those countries. Because I remember when I left the shore of Africa to U.S., people were crying that he's going to the place that he would not come back. People going to America seeing a better life, they will not come back again. But I promise them that I will still continue to to reach out, do church planting, and continue to strengthen the congregation. My brothers and sisters, I listened to the theme of this uh, discipleship, talking about drawing the inspiration from the record of the book of Acts of Apostles, which the, the the beginning, the way the church, the beginning of the church, making of discipleship. And then I want to speak briefly. Uh, my wife is sitting down there. Can you just uh, uh, say hi to the church? Thank you. We've been married to so many years now. Uh, it's getting to 14 years of marriage. So me and uh, Mm being been uh, together. So I want to speak the same book of Acts. My reading is taken from the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning from verses 44 down to 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 down to 47. It reads, And all that believes were together... And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse 47, praising God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such should be saved. So, I, I, I'm just talking about this, uh, seeing about uh, a few words there. Permit me, when we look at that, the, the 17 Jewish nationality when they gathered on the first Pentecost there, it was a, 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 the unity. We talk about love, we talk about sharing. Because of making a discipleship, drawing inspiration from this, have a story to share. I want to share a story of one man, uh, a supervisor that was on 28 Story Building. He's trying to reach out to the population, to the laborers, the workers at the downstairs. This man was shouting, shouting. People were busy, doing walking, making money. The man shouted, tried to reach the attention to no avail. Well. The man said, what should I do? He removed $20 from that downstairs and throw down, hoping that when the people will see the money, they will maybe turn their head up to see who dropped the money. But you know what happened? The people reach out and pick the money and put, their, and put it in their pocket. They don't even care to look up to see where the money comes from. <laughs> they might say, okay, maybe because the money, this one, maybe because it's little, you remove $50 this time and drop the, the laborers, the workers saw the money and they grabbed the money the second time and put it in their pocket without even looking where the source of money the money drops or came from the man said maybe because this time the money is little he removed a thousand dollars and spread them and throw it to them, they packed the money washing and packed the money without even turning up to look at the source of where the money came from this time the man said okay this is what I'm going to do he took a little stone this time, he dropped the stone and the stone dropped in their head. This is that time now they look up. They see where the stone come from. My brother, what am I talking about? I'm saying that I want to, I want to compare the supervisor up there is God. And I compare each and every congregation here representing, every one of us, we are the laborers of God according to the Bible. God has blessed us to some little amount of money. To some, God has blessed us with abundance. God has blessed us much and little. How do we use our blessings, the source of blessings, to bring disciples to the kingdom? How do we use the little that God has given to us to, make, to, to bless others? My brothers and sisters, the cost of making You know, discipleship is not, look at what happened in that passage. The people were selling their properties, bringing it to the foot of the disciples, sharing everything in common. Nobody was, everybody had enough and to spare. I'm reaching out crying to go back to mission trip this year. And of course, next month. I'm reaching out to so many congregations in the Twin City. I'm traveling with three individuals that are sacrificing their income. Sacrificing. My wife sitting down there. We went to the bank and took the money and buy the ticket. And signed that I need to pay back to the bank, but I need to secure the ticket. And when it is the low season, I'm crying out. Only a few are running around. My brother, let us remember. God have a blessing giving you all the things that you have is for you to use it to bless others. We are so blessed in America. When you go outside America and see people are suffering, you can cry. You can see that we have everything that we need to reach out to others and make disciples to all nations in order to obey the commandment Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you to the end. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
7: i'm gary wiesman i'm with the st paul urban ministry um if you don't know us we've been around for about 21 years we predominantly work with the Hmong people that um were refugees that came here that live in st paul and uh, a big thing that has been important to us the entire time is to develop disciples so this is quite exciting for us um The big thing that we do in developing disciples is actually walk in the lives of the people that we're with. So we spend time just being in their lives. And I want to share with you something that um, has really been on my heart lately, especially over this last year, and that's guilt. I want you to turn to Romans 8, and we're going to read 1 through 3. at least for the last years, why won't we let go of our guilt? Why do we live our lives like God is just waiting up in heaven to punish us? I don't know about you guys, but I tend to have my checklist of things that I'm doing to make sure I'm saved. Did I pray enough today? Did I read my Bible enough today? Did I talk to my neighbor enough about God today? The answer is always no. I didn't do enough. All of those things are great things, but I can't earn my way into heaven. All of those things are things that we're supposed to do. But the question I need to change, I need to look at why I'm doing those things. Am I doing it out of guilt or am I doing it because God loves me and that God wants my love? So whenever I, I get this way, I turn to the verse we all know, John three sixteen. but I also like to go all the way into 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish Would have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world would be saved through him. When we're looking to be disciples of Jesus. We're following his example of love. And when we teach discipleship. We're sharing that love. Because God doesn't want you to live in guilt. He wants you to live in his love.
8: Uh, Anita and I have been married for 51 years. You can believe that. Um, and I promised, I promised her I wouldn't have her stand up. <laughs> uh, she asked me not to do that. Uh, but uh, we moved to Minnesota in 1971. Uh, we were in Rochester five years. And uh, my friends asked me, somebody asked me last night, when did you move to Minnesota? And I said 71. And so I tried to do the math on that. Um, 46 years as of uh, June 17th. Um, and I uh, tell my friends I kind of got frozen in here and couldn't get out. Uh, so, you know, with a blizzard. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we have uh, loved our ministry here. And uh, continue to do that with the Egan Church. We have about ten people here with us today, and uh, grateful for uh, that church and and all that they mean to uh, this area. We're small, but we're uh, a great church. Um, and the passage I wanted to look at is uh, I've been sharing with the Egan Church, been talking about shared goals, and one of the shared goals uh, we have is fellowship. And uh, I want to look at Acts two. Uh, Forty-two, and just read that one verse that you're familiar with. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I wanted to to focus a little bit on that idea of fellowship, because in that passage, we see the early church living in community. Right, they're devoted to each other. They share with each other. They're together on a regular basis. Uh, they love to eat together. You know, we got that part down, right? <laughs> and uh, they, I want to think for a few minutes about uh, that idea of fellowship. So when you think about word, the word fellowship, I love that Greek word koinonia. I just like saying it over and over, koinonia. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great word um, because it means sometimes it's translated communion. Uh, it's communion, it's fellowship, it's sharing, it's a joint participation. Uh, Christian fellowship includes eating together, but it's a lot more than that, right? Uh, Christian fellowship includes socializing, but it's a lot more than that uh, because you can get socializing a lot of other places, right? Fellowship affirms a new reality because God has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 1, nine. And that passage, first of all, it says God is faithful. God is faithful, he always is, and he's called us into his fellowship. So we're drawn into relationship with God, and we participate in a unique fellowship with him, a fellowship that's purchased for us by the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. And because others are also in Christ, we experience the unique fellowship or relationship of fellowship with them and also through our fellowship with Christ. So ultimately, fellowship is a union, it's a a oneness, it's a kinship, a closeness of relationships with God and God's people, and that ought to make us feel good, right? That makes us feel good because, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, saved by His grace. And so this fellowship is something to be experienced, to be lived, and it's something to be treasured and enjoyed. And I I think sometimes we don't treasure it like we need to treasure it. Uh, We don't enjoy it maybe like we should enjoy it. And that's why this is so great. Being here is so great. That's why uh, what this leadership has done uh, with the Woodbury Church and the leaders in this area, uh, to have this time together is so special because this fellowship is a privilege and a responsibility. And God wants us to be devoted to the fellowship with him and his people, the church, what a privilege, what a privilege, and what a fellowship, what a joy divine.
2: All right, here we go. There's nothing more terrible than getting up preacher without a mic. There we go. Um, real quick, before we move on from this uh, We didn't know who all was going to be able to make it So I'd like to invite Scott Warney From the Park Rapids Church of Christ You don't have to say anything, Scott Although that's a weird thing for a preacher to want to not do But come on up Just And then, uh, is Stacey Sykes still in the room? Right here Stacy, would you mind coming up? You don't have to say anything either uh, We just wanted to spend a moment uh, And pray over all these leaders uh, That are here in the room together we're, we're appreciative for all these men Come on up, Stacy. You're going to have my chair um, Jordan said he was going to give every minister three minutes uh, to speak, and I'm like, you're crazy. That's never going to work out. So I'm doing a little preacher's math. There's eight guys that have spoken. They had three minutes each, and we're at 35 minutes. So I think we nailed it preacher math-wise. Regular math, not so much. Uh, but I'm going to ask gentlemen, would you go ahead and stand up for me, and uh, we're going to pray over you. Also, we can't forget, B. Chris, would you mind joining us up on stage, the, these gentlemen that work in ministry? Uh, and we're going to pray for, uh, for everybody here. Uh, on stage for the ministries, for the things that, are, that God is doing in their church. We're going to learn a little bit more about what's, what, God, what God has going on, uh, but we want to just ask God's blessing over this group of individuals. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for every, uh, every person here. Um, Lord, we know that they have given their, their time, their lives, uh, they've sacrificed so much of, of their family, of their finances, uh, to be able to engage in this call of ministry. Uh, Lord, we know there's ups and downs. Uh, We know that things don't always turn out like we plan, like we expect, like we anticipate. But we know, God, that nothing catches you off guard. We know that you're not surprised by anything, Lord. We know that uh, you see the horizon. You see what's coming. You see what you have in store for us. And, God, we just pray, uh, we seek, we look for your blessing in the ministry and the lives of each of these men here on this stage. Uh, God, we thank you for the call of the gospel. We thank you for grace. We thank you for the reminder of of fellowship and the fact that we can be guilt-free through Jesus Christ, your Son. Uh, and we pray that as ministers, we'd be able to spread that truth to the people around us, Lord, that people would be drawn to Jesus. They wouldn't be drawn to us. They wouldn't be drawn to gimmicks. They wouldn't be drawn to tricks, but they would be drawn to Jesus because that's the message that we're praying. God, we thank you that uh, you continue to bless. We thank you for the people in the, uh, the audience here that are part of these works. We just pray that you would uh, allow them to continue to support, uh, continue to encourage these men, continue to uh, to help these men grow and, and develop in their ministries as well. Uh, we pray your blessings on all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you gentlemen may have a seat. Um, before we go too much further, Jordan has a couple more things that he wants to talk about. Stacy, Scott, you guys are welcome to stay up if you want to talk. Yeah, come on. Go ahead. Stay up. You know, preacher, who can turn down an opportunity to talk? Like, preachers. Like, I know most people don't want that. But Jordan's got a few questions for us to, to uh, think through.
0: So uh, one of the things that we wanted to do uh, is just help each other be aware of what God's doing across the cities and, and what God's doing across the state of ours uh, because we know that God is, is tremendously work. Trust that we, we've seen that, uh, and, and so here's what I want to do. And this isn't this isn't the questions I ask you, so I'm going to catch you off guard with this. You're welcome. Uh, I want to start with the story of Oliver Tolson, Okay, Oliver's a guy that some of you know, some of you don't. Uh, but but I'm going to start with what happened to me. I, about a year ago, I received a phone call from this minister named Willie Willie Hubbard, and I'd never met Willie before. He's a minister of America, and he said, I just baptized this.
8: You know, I mean Bob uh, and his uh, ears and Oliver is 62 years old and I was told this to begin with that uh, this man is on dialysis uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday of each week. He has lung cancer and the lung cancer went into remission uh, for a few months and now the cancer is back and it's untreatable. And the first time I talked to Oliver by phone, he agreed to have me come to his home And he said that uh, he was happy for the baptism of his siblings in Maryland. And what Willie Hubbard uh, had related was that uh, his um, Oliver's sister and brother had been baptized, and um, that Oliver wanted to know more. And uh, so I went there uh, because uh, when I talked with Oliver on the phone, he said, uh, he made this statement, I want what they have. I want what they have because he saw their enthusiasm. He saw how excited they were about being Christians. So the appointment was met, uh, was set, and I went to meet Oliver for the first time. I was greeted by Oliver, his wife Veronica, their 15-year-old daughter Mariah, and Veronica's 91-year-old mother, Georgia. And they all had faith questions and were eager to go to the source to find the answers. And so we started a Bible study that day that is ongoing. Uh, The goal is to meet every week, but due to uh, a lot of health crisis and uh, family crisis situations, studies are postponed periodically, but we get back to that Bible study uh, as soon as possible. They also have two adopted sons that are autistic, and the 14-year-old has been in in on one of the studies. So, Oliver called in early September. Uh, I don't know how many Bible studies we had. I I think about 20. I don't know. Uh, I kind of lost track. Uh, but he said, I want to act on my faith. I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And so we met at the Richfield Church building at 10 a.m. on September 7th, 2017, uh, with Oliver's family, uh, Oliver's family members, um, and uh, four members from the Egan Church and four from the Richfield Church. And we were able to witness Oliver's uh, confession of faith. His baptism. In fact, uh, uh, Ethan helped me baptize uh, Oliver uh, because he's pretty weak uh, and uh, he was out of breath and, and weak and uh, so it took two of us uh, to be able to do that. And uh, He was baptized into Christ. We welcomed him into the family of Christ, Christ the Church and we continue to praise God for Oliver's decision to name Jesus as Lord and we do give God the glory for our new brother. Oliver has worshiped with us on Sunday morning for three out of the past four Sundays, and he asked um, a couple of weeks ago to address the Egan Church, and you know what he expressed? He expressed gratitude. He said, I want to thank all of you for accepting me. He felt, he feels loved, he feels acceptance, and he expressed some ways that he he wants to use his gifts. Uh, for the body of Christ, so God is always working to put people together with Him, and I, I think about Romans eight twenty eight because um, He's called us, those that love Him, and those that are those that love Him uh, and are called according to His purpose. And God always works; He's always working, right? Okay. So, so what this does for me, this highlights some really small simple
0: things in my mind, but. We're not in this together, one. So we do need each other. We need to be brought together from time to time because there's no way that I can find shots beyond that because I forget to exist. Uh, but all I did was answer a phone call. All Tommy did was volunteer to go talk to this guy. All Ethan did was volunteer to open up his church building. And yet God has been at work in each and every one of those little bitty steps. And so sometimes it's not as complex as getting out and evangelizing to somebody for 14 hours and having that conversation for six weeks. Sometimes it's just picking up the phone when you get a phone call. And so God is at work. Where I want the rest of the 10 minutes of this conversation to go. I know I was saying that to a bunch of ministers, so we'll eat lunch eventually. Um,
2: I want to know this. See, out- nobody in the audience found that funny. You see that? There's stone faces. <laughs>
0: up here they were like, oh that's kind of funny, but in the audience, nope. Thinking with their stomachs right now, I totally get it. So, I want to know how you guys have seen God at work. Have you seen God at work in your churches? Have you seen God at work in your members? When I ask that question, what comes to mind for you? The floor is yours.
2: Anybody want to go first?
6: Yeah, I I want to just go first. Uh, Just what I've seen, the blessings of God in my life personally and the lives of uh, Is that uh, as I was talking my story at the bottom part of that story that uh, you know God is being a mighty God, that each moment we should not allow things of this life to really occupy so many space in our lives. We should not wait until maybe in the moment of sickness or in a moment of trials or problem before we look on to Jesus. But we should look on to Jesus in every way, when things are good and when things are bad in our lives. That is how we can experience. That is why, personally, I experience God's answering prayers in my congregation. The things I experience also, you know, Roosevelt Church of Christ, we have so many challenges in that congregation. Sometimes it seems like there is no avenue of escape. Sometimes it seems like things are, you know, as members are going to a different, moving out to a different congregation. Sometimes it seems, but at the moment that we continue to pray, God continues to answer his prayers, to bring, to open the doors for people to come in and be baptized and listen to the gospel. And when others are praying for us, for example, the uh, uh, Brother Pointer, the, the, the Minneapolis Central has been, like a backbone to us there. Because when things are challenges, I'm leaving for mission trip. Brother Pointer will come and fill in and send his people, uh, his brothers, uh, brethren there. And there's really such encouragement to Roosevelt. And then God has added, for the past two months, we, we have baptized almost four families. And add to that, we've been able to get a, a brother that is cooking meals. For the poor people, for the people that cannot afford to, you know, food to eat in the area, they come there. Somebody is grilling, cooking outside the, the, the parking lot. There, you obtain license from the city, and then cooking there. We are reaching out. People are donating some winter jacket. We have so many refugees that are moving so many countries, and all the apartment. Surrounded the church building there, we have so many refugees from South Sudan, from Ethiopia in Africa. So those people, the church now had to, people had to donate materials as shoes, uh, winter suits, and all that. And that created awareness. That bring up op- opening the doors for people around the neighborhood to hear about the Roosevelt Church of Christ. That bring about people visitors coming in to see. So I experienced that when. The challenges need to make, help us to make more disciples, help to strengthen the church, and the borders of Christ's kingdom will be expanded. Thank you so much. That's the letter I have. How else have we seen
0: God at work this year? Oh. There you
9: go. My name is Stacy Sykes. I'm up in Hibbing, Minnesota, and uh, how God has been working Give you one example. His name is Ron Harder. Ron, would you stand? Ron was, uh, that's okay. You can have a seat now. <laughs> He's a brother in Christ, and he wasn't, uh, about two and a half years ago. And, and I think of the scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 46 through 8: a voice calls out, Well, call out. Another one says, Well, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. All its glory, like the flower of the grass, the grass withers, the flower fades. But what endures forever? The word of God. And here's a man who has. was so hungry for the word of God. He continued to study with me, even though the leaders of the church where he was going says, "If you're going to continue studying with Stacy, uh, you lose your leadership." It didn't say you're out of the church. He's now a brother in Christ. I want him to meet you. I want you to meet him. (laughs) All
2: right, go ahead,
5: Steve. Uh, Well, when 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 Kelly and I moved here 13 years ago, the church was in a shambles we had gone through a lot of really tough stuff. Very discouraging place. Those people in the front row over there, they know, they remember. Uh, And it was that way for six, seven years. In fact, when I was coming to the meetings, there were several times where I shared, you know, it's like, wow, this is so discouraging. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've raised teenagers and this is even (laughs) harder. And so, (laughs) so, uh, but now it's a completely different place. It's a happy church. We're, Unless there's something I don't know about, we're very unified. Uh, we're growing. Uh, we had a, uh, we, every year we have this Sunday we call Samunye Sunday, which means, it's in Zulu, it means we are one. And we have people from everywhere there. We had several of our African evangelists there. We had almost 500 people at church. It was just an amazing day. Uh, we support our sister churches in Africa and our church has, every year we give a special contribution so about seven years ago, we, we gave $40,000, but this year we gave almost $105,000. And uh, it was just, it's, uh, so I feel, I tell people, I said I'm the luckiest minister on the face of the planet. I guess maybe I'm not that tough, and he gave me all these easy people or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, amen.
10: Yeah, Steve.
0: Who else? What have we seen God doing this year?
7: So the urban ministry has always been a really young ministry. When you start with like five and six-year-olds, it takes a long time for them to get older. And this last year, I know it's how math works, but this last year we started doing small groups with them. And we started meeting with some people that we thought would be good for leading those groups. And then we had them pick who they wanted to be with them. And then when we got down to it, I said, okay, I'm going to start giving you, you know, lessons to do. And, and they looked at me like, wait, you're not going to be there? I said, no. The, the leadership, you know, those of us who have been in the urban ministry forever, we're going to step back and we want you to do it. Because when we're there, like if I'm there, everybody just naturally looks to me for the answer. But if I'm not there, then they start actually talking amongst themselves. And we started that this last year and it's went really well and they've started inviting their families they've started inviting friends and they're really excited about it. So it's just really encouraging to us as a ministry that these kids that started out going to our little vacation Bible school are now teaching their families and their friends about Christ. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I want to say that um, what God is doing this year, um, I thought he brought uh, unity, especially among uh, the Churches of Christ, among our preachers. Um, When I first moved here some eight years ago, um, I started going to the preacher's meeting right away, and um, it was just a bunch of uh, old baby boomers, and uh, it was me and Tommy sitting around, you know. So... (laughs) You know, we hadn't talked about. So, uh, and Stacy, Stacy was there. Uh, So Bruce was there, a bunch of old guys. And um, David was there. David May, he's old, so he was there. (laughs) Uh, And so we would sit there at the meeting, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're almost dead, you know. (laughs) So I started out to come back. I told my wife, do I have to go? I mean, why do I need to go? It's just dead. And so we kept praying about it, and I kept saying, well, the only way to make a difference, you got to be a part of it. And um, so I kept going. Kept interjecting things, and uh, Tucker started coming, and Roger started coming, some other guys started coming, and and we prayed about it, kept praying and praying. And all of a sudden, these young guys started coming. Ethan came, and and then Pat, he was all here all the time, but he never would come. But he started coming. Uh, he was always busy on that one day. He, he, he's free all the other time, but the one day, you know, he's busy. And then, and then he, George didn't know better. He, you know, he came from Abilene, and he's still busy. What he's doing, I don't know. But, but the Bible says that. We know that God put unity in the church, and he says we have to endeavor, Ephesians 4.4, 4, to keep the unity. You can't keep what you don't have. So God, Christ, put unity in the church, and it's our job as leaders, it's our job as members, it's our job as individuals, it's our job as Christians to keep the unity at whatever the cost is.
0: I know this is a dangerous question, but does anybody else want to speak about this? <laughs> uh, Alex, yeah? So, the, uh... That's the mic that's kind of failing on us. Okay. Uh, there we go.
3: Okay. So the main way that I've been able to meet people who want to study the Bible is through a website called meetup.com, mm-hmm. which is just a uh, interest group website so you can create a group about anything it could be I love chihuahuas meetup group and you all get together with your chihuahuas and they yap at each other and you have a good time so I created a group called the St. Paul coffee shop bible study and uh, the reason why uh, this has been effective is because people can just google like bible study in St. Paul and that might be one of the search results that pops up is that meetup page and so it's, it's pretty nice it's like reverse door knocking they have to listen because they come to you and so <laughs>
10: um,
3: <laughs> and so this has actually been an area where I've definitely uh, seen God at work not because I know what's going on with the people before they show up but because when they do show up they, they show up interested and hungry for the word and um, they show up because they're not getting the word anywhere else And so so I would say most of our congregation are people that we've met through that one tool that we use. And so uh, one of the people that I met, very low key, uh, not super outgoing personality, Uh, I remember inviting him to church after a few weeks of studying at the meetup group. And he was just like, no, it's, um, you know, I don't have anything against church. I just think it's, it's too early. Uh, honestly, I don't think I could wake up in time. And uh, there's a lot of people. I don't, I don't really like big crowds. And I was like, hey, man, I totally understand. That's why we start at 11. We start... <laughs> we, we don't even have to talk. We start by eating together. So we have a meal first. And then after coffee, then we'll do a Bible study. And there's not even that many of us, so. Uh, he didn't really have anything to say him to return to that. And so he's been in the church every Sunday since. Uh, he, was, he was baptized around five or six months after we, after we met. And uh, one of the things that I enjoy about studying the Bible with people is when people have the, the aha moment. When the light bulb comes on, when they start asking questions that I'm amazed that they asked, that they thought to ask a certain question, and uh, that's God working. And also, when they come up with their own ideas for what they should be doing as Christians, uh, again, this this guy Larry, one day he came up with the idea that he wanted to start writing people who are in prison. He wanted to be a pen pal to. Uh, prisoners and do bible studies with them and i don't do that uh i didn't tell him to do that he just came up with that and so there are like these different stages that you get to see people go through where you see the seeking stage and they're just like a sponge and they're just soaking up the word as much as they can get it because they want to and then there's the stage where you see people growing and asking good questions um enjoying the fellowship without having to think about it just enjoying the fellowship of being in the word together and being with other christians and then to see them take that on their own and start applying it and engaging it in their lives and so i didn't uh, implement uh, any kind of structure for them Um, it was just we spent a lot of time together and uh, time and effort um, doing what we love knowing the lord and uh, seeking him and everything else just sort of falls into place. It doesn't, for us, it doesn't result in anything explosive, uh, good or bad. It's just sort of normal. And I think establishing just the norm is a good
2: place to be. Good. You, All right, real quick, I don't want to cut you off, Jordan, if you have something, but I want to wrap up uh, by kind of going back to what Tommy started with, that uh, it took... Four churches' involvement to baptize Oliver, uh, baptize one guy. Four different churches played different roles, and that's pretty amazing. And it makes me think of, like, what you know, the flip side, to go a little negative here for a second. What if the churches hadn't been willing to work together? What if Jordan hadn't known someone to call? Or or what if Tommy hadn't known where, you know, he could find a a, a baptistry? Or what if... Uh, Ethan had decided, you know, I'm not strong enough to help that guy in there. I mean, uh, those little things in there, that all could have made a difference. Now, you get four churches together and you get a guy baptized, that's pretty exciting. What if you get 12 churches together working in the Twin Cities, making a difference for people in the Twin Cities? That's pretty exciting. Now, but the thing is, I'm going to get a little excited here. I apologize. But the thing is, it's not just these guys. You are all ministers. What if you got all of you excited? And what if you're working together? And what if Central's calling Woodbury and Woodbury's calling Richfield and Northern Lights and Hibbing? What if all these churches are working together to bring people to Jesus? What if that happened? God would do amazing things. It took four churches to bring one guy. How many is it going to take to change this this city? How many is it going to take to change the communities around us? And that's what we want. That's what we're working for. And that's what it's all about. So without that unity that all these gentlemen have spoken to, I don't know. I think we're just going to plug away, kind of do our thing. But man, if we can get into the heart of the gospel, Ephesians 4, if we can dig into that and if we can make a difference for the people around us, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting alone. Isn't that good news? You don't have to do that by yourself. In fact, all our efforts aren't going to do much anyway. But man, if we combine our work together and if God is blessing us, I think amazing things are going to happen. I I believe it. So I appreciate all those stories, the things that are going on in your churches. That's so encouraging to me. Uh, By the way, I don't think I've ever introduced myself. I've just been talking, and people are like, who is that guy? He grabbed a microphone. Um, My name is Patrick Doherty, and I'm one of the ministers here uh, as well. Uh, But I just got to say, Jordan gets all the credit for pulling this all together. He has been doing the work. He's been putting in the time, putting in the hours. So I just want to acknowledge him real quick for bringing everybody together in this room. I'm telling you, it has been on his heart for a long time to make this happen, so I appreciate all the work that he's done. All right, we are finally going to wrap this up and uh, by doing, um, by having a prayer, and then we're going to dismiss everybody. Uh, to eat. So uh, one of our elders is in the room, Dave Sutherland, right here, right up on front. We're going to ask Dave if he would pray for us, unless I'm forgetting anything, Jordan. Uh, and then we're going to dismiss to uh, to have some food together and spend a little time in fellowship. Okay. Thanks.
10: Let's pray. Holy Lord, Jesus Christ, Holy God, Holy Spirit. We are awed today. We thank you for the way you bless. We thank you for the way you unify. We thank you for the way you draw lines of division from the world. And we also thank you for all of us as ministers in your kingdom. It is something that is very special. And as we've heard uh, these men talk today and our brother B. Chris. We just thank you so much for their insight. Thank you for their energy. Thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit working in them to reach that next person that's going to break away from the crowd. And uh, we thank you for the food that we're about to eat. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.